the vanity you're going to hear in this episode is not reflective of who I am currently in life, but it is reflective of however of who I have been in the past. And I have since come to change my perspective on a lot of things. And I hope you guys will too. But from when I was like 15 years old, fame was something I genuinely aspired to have. When I first moved here, 2019, yeah, 2019, my dad had asked, okay, so what the fuck are you doing with your life? Like, what do you want to do? What's your plan? I showed him Ricky Thompson's Instagram. And I said, that's what I want to be. That's what I want to do. I have the same pizzazz, so why not just be that guy? And he was like, he was so, con- bless his heart, he was so confused. So today he talks about it because he was so confused. Now, I aspired to have fame because that's what I had seen internally in my past. I'm going to explain. It wasn't the generic social media fame that people now have now, but it was something more organic where I went to, I went to a boarding school and everyone knew me. Now, the reason that's which they knew me can differ. I feel like if you ask anyone I went to school with or who was in school the same time I was, junior or senior, they probably knew me for various reasons. And I've said briefly on this podcast before, I was in everything. I was singing, debates. I was in the sports team. I was in the rugby team. I was just everywhere. My, I was everywhere, like a fucking whore. It was so, it was so funny. But everyone knew me. And at that time, that was the closest I knew. Oh, that's the closest thing I knew to what fame was or tasted like. Everyone knew my name. Everyone knew my parents. Everyone knew what I did. You know, everyone could call me from wherever. It was interesting. It wasn't overwhelming, I will say. Now, I couldn't, I wasn't able to do some things. I wasn't like, I, if I was missing in the room, you immediately would know. Because again, I was tall. I was a bit, I wasn't even heavy because it was in school and I had an eating disorder. So I was a bit like, I was just lanky and tall. You couldn't miss me, right? So if I wasn't there, I, I remember my friends telling me they couldn't really do some like, quote-unquote, bad things like skipping or whatever because if I'm supposed to be there and I'm not there, everyone's going to get caught because they're going to be like, what the fuck is Dami? What is Dami Lola? So that's the kind of fame I felt or I had internally. This was before I knew the... Because when I was when we were on in school, I don't think, speaking for myself, I, don't really, I didn't really know the gravity as to what social media was. I generally just thought social media, genuinely, innocent me, just thought social media was like, you know, for the heart, um, for leaving school, connecting with your friends, posting pictures that your friends could see while you were not in school, coming back and talking about what you posted that your friends did see, and it was just an endless, endless cycle. It wasn't until I left school that I started to know about, like, the YouTubers I, you know, I grew up watching, you know, all that pizzazz, right? But that was what I knew fame was. However, we've grown up. And it's a completely different ball game, which is why I said I don't want it. Now, is there a part of me that says or that believes, oh, yeah, I want to be known for XYZ? It wouldn't suck if, if I wrote this book and people knew and enjoyed this book, hopefully, and were like, oh, yeah, Dami wrote that book. He's amazing. He's a, writer. He's a good writer. Or, oh, yeah, he talks about this on this. You know, he's really, really good. That's kind of what I think of now. I don't think of the whole. Um, elaborate fame everyone knows everyone is for, that's a bit overwhelming and i don't think human beings were made for that i generally don't think we were wired to be able to handle that kind of like attention and scrutiny and everything else under the sun i'm talking about fame because with fame comes fans the fandom 
And I finished a book over the weekend called Misery by Stephen King. And let me tell you guys something. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Now, for anyone who hasn't heard about this book, I feel like you're going to be in for a ride. But at the same time, if you're like me, you're going to be like, okay, this has probably happened and it's probably happen- happening. But if you have heard of this and you haven't read this book, I'm going to give you all the juice that you probably did not know was with this work of literature by Stephen King. Now, let's start afresh. Misery is about this author called Paul, right? Paul gets in a crash and his number one fan, Annie, happens to find him, unfortunately. She takes him back to her house and she keeps him prisoner in her house. Now, it's called Misery because Paul has like a series of books about this... um, character he made called misery and annie happens to be the one fan who really enjoys those books and you know she's in love with this author but it's a very interesting thing where she's a lot more in love with the work than the author which i will say is kind of where i am i am with things so let me digress for a little bit right there are some um like books I've read, music I listen to. I couldn't tell you shit about who the actual um you know creator behind those works of art are, but I love the work, and I could see this person on the street and I wouldn't give two shits. I might, I might be like, oh yeah, I really appreciate your work, but okay, which I think in a weird way, stay with me. I think that's what fame is supposed to be like, being able to attribute something to someone's name or to someone's face, but not know shit about them, right? Unfortunately, we live in a world where everything is just everywhere. So you kind of know everything about somebody before you even get to meet them. I mean, there are a few people on, on planet Earth right now who have successfully done the, uh, you know, the, I don't want to say mysterious, but like they just know how to let their work speak for themselves and everything else is not anyone's business. So she didn't really know much about Paul. When she saw this guy, she's like, oh, wow, this is my favorite author. Let me help him. And just turn into something else. So Paul wakes up. He's in this guest room, a bit confused. Now, he had finished writing, writing the Misery series in which he had killed one of the characters. We'll circle back to that. He killed off one of the characters. But he was writing a different book, a different manuscript that he had just finished while on vacation. So he was driving back home to go give this manuscript to his um publicist or his editor or whatever so they could publish the book or see if the book was worth publishing really so he, get, he gets in a crash he's in this lady's guest room he wakes up and he's a bit confused and she comes in and she's like hi my name is Annie I'm a favorite fan oh my god this is so exciting you've been here for two weeks I've been helping you you know giving you painkillers and whatever because your legs are crippled so he um crippled his legs in the crash and you know i'm a nurse so i really know what i'm doing oh my god this is so exciting you can imagine how horrific that would be someone waking up from a coma or an alleged coma and then just hearing imagine hearing that kind of like you know that you know that social media that social media voice it's like oh yeah you know thank you so much hi you just i feel like you can picture what i'm talking about and that person is talking to you in your face i would be mortified so he's like oh thanks how, when can I, like, how can I leave? And she's like, oh, don't be silly. You're going to be here a while because your legs aren't working. That's that's kind of what she uses to, like, to pull him in. So he's like, oh, 
okay. He's a bit confused. He's still going in and out. He's, he's a lot of like, he's on a lot of drugs. And, um, and because she's a nurse, well, we found out she was an ex-nurse. So she was, um, I guess, her license got taken from her, basically, something like that. Um, but she has a lot of access to medicine in her cabinet and in her house and everything that she stole from, um, you know, hospitals. So she's been putting him on that a lot. Now, she finds out that he had killed off Misery, called on the main characters in the book. And she's like, actually, honey, that's not going to happen. He's like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, you know, you killed off this character. Um, only God gets to kill people. And unfortunately, fortunately, this world that you've created, you're God. So you can bring her back. So she says, fuck that other book you wrote because she took his manuscript and read it. And she's like, that's cute, but that's not a good book. You need to rewrite what she wrote and bring Misery back to life. So she's kept him there. She's bought him, um, you know, uh, equipment, typewriters and everything. And she says he's going to rewrite the Misery book, the last book in the Misery series. This is where everything kind of changes for him and he kind of sees the stakes as he's like, this bitch is crazy. She's going to do something if I don't do what she says. Now, circling back to what I said about like art speaking for oneself. Yesterday, what was it? So yeah, two days ago, I saw the Marvels, Marvel movie. Amazing movie. I loved it. I personally enjoyed it. But I remember going on the internet to kind of just see what people were talking about. You're seeing, I'm saying about, saying about the movie, hoping in my naivete that people will feel the same way that I did about this movie. Of course that didn't fucking happen. And I realized something, something that's, in this book was amazing, but in real life is kind of terrifying as well. So it's a bit contradictory. I'll explain. In this book, Paul, the author, kind of talks about how it's really refreshing and interesting to see how a fan and a consumer gives you the feedback that you'd expect and hope for from like an editor or a publicist. So like editors, obviously probably good at their job. I, you know, I'm not really sure what they do in particular, but as I'm assuming he's making sure everything is like up to par and good enough, but he's like the notes editors give compared to what like a consumer actually gives, like someone who's actually invested in this world doesn't match up because when Annie was giving him notes, so he, like he obviously wrote a couple drafts, you know, going on with the book. And she's like, no, 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 that would happen because X, Y, Z. Don't be lazy. Don't do this because it has to make up. She gave him really, really constructive feedback. And I was like, interesting. And he really, you know, appreciated that, appreciated that as well. Now, I referenced that with real life because as people, we kind of consume a lot of media and literature and everything. And we're in a place now where everyone just believes or feels like they know what is better. I'm going to use Marvel for, as, as an example because I feel like that's a big thing that everyone can probably um, understand or relate to in a certain way. But the Marvel Universe is one of the biggest franchises in the world, right? And everyone is like fans of the comics or they've been following it for like a long time since when they were kids. So to some degree, you're invested and you just certainly believe that like what you know is, or what you know holds a certain amount of weight, right? So I saw this movie, it was really good, and I came on and I saw people saying, oh, this couldn't happen because X, Y, Z. This couldn't happen because yada, yada, yada. And I thought, constructive criticism, but at the same time, how different would it be if we allowed a studio to put out what they believe is the best, and we as consumers adjust to what we're being fed? That's not how consumerism works, obviously. Because at the end of the day, as a consumer, you kind of almost know what's better. 
people who create fit it's so conflicting because there are different ways of you know consuming art so like marvel for example marvel has a blueprint like the the um the comics and everything so in a certain way people who are kind of more invested in the comics might know a bit more for example dr strange i'm sound like a nerd but dr strange and the multiverse of madness came out was it two years ago now and the director allegedly hadn't watched WandaVision. But as consumers, we kind of knew where we left off with Wanda. So seeing the movie was like, um, hmm, what's going on? Because the last time we saw her, XYZ, right? However, on that same note, and on that same um, blueprint, with like music, if someone releases an album today and they say, oh, this is where I'm at life right now, and next year, there is an album talking about something entirely different. We have no say in how or what the next album was supposed to be like. So if one album was like Heartbreak and Agony, and the next one is Daisies and Lilies, we can't say shit. It's your choice to consume or not. But that person as an artist has put out where they are in life. And that's the difference. Same thing with writing. Fortunately, writing has some sort of formula that it follows unless it's like a sequel or you know a, a story that has different angles to again there are levels but back to misery so she's like write this book this way do it this way and you know get on with it now the part of this book that starts to then creep up on me is the fact that like a fan is holding a celebrity hostage telling him to rewrite a book that he wrote and then maybe she would keep you know she would allow him to survive ah, ah. i remember reading this book and i was thinking to myself where the fuck did this idea come from because i remember when i finished the book because i was doing a vlog on my youtube which is the book potato click the link below i talk about books there as well um but i, I was you know i was reading the book on the vlog and i remember saying to myself did this happen to Steven himself? And he, because, uh, how, in what world, and it's possible, it's not so far from the truth, but in what world can, <laughs> in what world can a celebrity be kidnapped by a fan and be forced to, you know, because the thing about fans is, it's terrifying. So if you guys haven't seen Swarm, good for you, but there's a show called Swarm on Prime. And this girl just goes on a killing spree for, for someone she adores. This person doesn't know who she is, doesn't know that she exists, but she's basically killing people that talk shit about her favorite um, artist. Ah, ah. It's, it's terrifying. And I think the more you plug in to comments, comments in particular, the more you plug into comments and media and what's going on with that aspect of the world the more you see how people are just so ravenous for the life of someone that doesn't concern them so i mean come on there's the barbs there's the beehive there is i don't know who else there's fans of selena gomez fans of Ariana grande it's scary and now I circle back to saying, I don't think the human brain was made for this because I couldn't, I promise you, 
I couldn't wake up one morning and there are like 140 million people at my beck and call, ideally. Because that's what I think it is. That's to me, to my imagination, that's what it looks like. If I make and I this is why I circle back again to saying we weren't made for this. Because if I release something to date, what can I what could I what can I do? Let's just say I wake up tomorrow and this podcast has 140 million subscribers or followers of listeners on a constant basis. If that happened to me, I promise you I could be present. Like I what there would be no limits as to what I would choose to say on this very platform and put out into the world. Why? Because 140 million people care. Now, obviously, out of 140 million, 70 million might just be people who are looking for things to pull apart and hate on and, you know, shit on, obviously. But if I had that amount of people at my beck and call, you couldn't tell me shit. Honestly, you can't, you can't tell me shit. So, fandom as a whole is it's quite interesting. And then it gets to a point where these people do believe that they own you in some way. I don't know who it was. I don't know what I was reading an article this time where um, someone had done a celebrity had done something, and there was a comment saying, "Well, you know, we pay our bills by we pay our bills by listening, streaming, viewing, following." So you should do what the fuck we say. Ah, you couldn't tell me that. I promise you, you couldn't tell me that. And in an ironic way. Well, ideally, the talent kind of does pay the bills, but the consumers are really, you know, the grunt of the work. So if I heard that, I'd be like, I'd be scared because it's true. I wouldn't be, again, hypothetically, I have 140 million or whatever. I wouldn't be where I'm from for these people who are listening, taking the time to stream and buy my records and whatever, sell to an artist, you know? I don't know who it was, what celebrity it was, I can't remember, but it was scary. You know what I mean? It's bizarre. So, Ms. Um, Annie's making this guy write the book and he's kind of thinking of a way out, but he can't really, he just can't because he's crippled. Now, the one time he does try to escape, you know what she fucking does? She comes to him and basically amputates one of his foots. Oh, one of his, yeah, amputates his foot basically. So she starts by taking, trigger warning, she starts by taking a hammer to kind of like weaken the ankle. So she breaks it so it's loose and then she cuts it off. In the book ah she was basically like until you finish this book you can't go anywhere and you will not put me at the risk of like the police or whatever because we then found out in the middle of this book as well that annie has a trail of murders behind her and she's done a lot of like i mean a lot of crazy shit in her past so i read this book her past just kind of catch up to her i'm not going to spoil the whole book for you but i just wanted to talk about this book to pull the the uh the circle of just like fandoms and being famous and everything out of it because it's it's something because now you have people who could police who ideally yes could police the work of other you put out so yesterday i was watching uh the tarot show and um kelly roller was on uh, well kelly roller was on it and she was talking about how she released an album obviously um when she um destiny shot had disbanded she released an album and she was thinking to herself, oh my God, you know, I really enjoyed this album, but if it doesn't do great, like what, what would that say about me? Yada, yada, yada. Which defeats the whole purpose of creating in the first place anyway. Because I feel like in the way as to which we were created, 
you are supposed to only derive joy from what you choose to create and put out in the world. Now, when I'm done of time, when people were doing things before social media came in, if you paint something and you like it, you put it up. If you paint something and you really, really like it, you go to your neighbor, oh my gosh, hi, I painted this here. And the, the neighbor loves it. If you baked bread, you just give it to people who wanted to eat in the community and that was it. If you made music, who knows? Maybe it's just someone's birthday. You make music and that was it. There wasn't a continent at your beck and call. If you wrote a book, well, I don't know how that worked back in the day. I don't know how that worked back in the day. So I might have to take that out. I don't know how that worked. I'll be very honest. And there weren't influencers back then. But if you did something and if you do something, if you enjoy it, that's all that really matters. But unfortunately, there is this thing now in the world where Oh, if I don't have a 1K people that like or enjoy this thing, it's not it's it's not of any sort and of no, of any value. Fuck that, you know. Because what that does is it puts everything else on a pedestal. I can't imagine. Now, unfortunately, I'm a bit skewed. I must admit, because I'm a bit skewed, and I'll tell you why. So I don't because I don't I don't want to be a hypocrite to myself. I don't lie to myself. If I write a book today that I put my blood and tears into, and I really, really believe that this book is good, of course I would try my best to make sure that at least 500 people in the world read that book. And wherever it goes from there, namaste. Of course I would try my best. I won't write... That's why I said I don't know how it worked back then. But I don't think I could write a book that I really loved and just put it down and say, oh, the book is written, that's everything. It's different. I believe it's different. Now, I do sometimes write articles on like Substack for my pleasure, just to kind of write and put my mind out there, and that's it. So I think, I do believe it varies. Again, in this world today, if someone writes, uh, releases music, or well, there are some people who release music, and are like, oh yeah, I just wanted to put my heart out there, and whatever happens, happens, I don't care what happens, you know? So second back to Kelly Rowland, she was talking about how I really loved it, but what happens if people don't like it? At the end of the day, our work or our art or our joys in the art that we put out should not be measured by what people think about them. Because I don't, they don't fucking matter, you know. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. So Paul in this book, in Misery, he wrote a book that he enjoyed, that wasn't in the Misery, you know, franchise. He wrote a book that he enjoyed. He really loved it. He was going to give it to his publicist and see what was going to happen. But then Annie was like, "Oh well, mm, no one's going to like that." And then he actually had a moment of doubt, doubt in the book where he was like, "Oh wow." What's gonna, you know, maybe she's right. Am I only made for misery? Like, is this gonna be the peak and the height of my career? Just writing about this one character that I'm actually tired of writing about right now. Is that, is, is that gonna be it? You know, it, what else is gonna happen? That's just the, because while reading this book, I kind of picked up that aspect of what people think and what happens when, you know, arts, it's created and there's no one to continue. I, I kind of had that train of thought going as well. But back to the main, the main cocoa of the book, being kidnapped by a fan is not so far from the truth. I'll say it again. It's not so far from the truth. It's an amazing book, a scary fucking book because something that made that book scary for me was it could actually happen. That's all. It wasn't so far from imagination, which I, I mean, come on. Last week we talked about something else, but this idea could not have just come straight out the asshole. I'm actually going to check the internet to see if there's anything in correlation to this book in real life. Because I want to know. I really want to know. But 
some scary shit. It's some scary shit. Now, the book did progress to this guy finishing the book, and he he did say, now this is an irony, because he did say out of all the books, that was the best he had written. Now, number one, of course, under the kind of fucking pressure he was under, his life was basically hanging in the balance. If the book wasn't good, he kind of had that to him as well. But he also said because there was an actual consumer who knew and who had been consuming his work. So she knew what really made his work stand out. And she was just to give, you know, give the feedback. As opposed to like some money-hungry guy who's like, no, 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 that's not going to pull money. Don't write that. Don't put that in. Make it about this. Don't make, you know what I mean? That was kind of the difference for him as to how he enjoyed the book. Everything else aside, let me tell you guys something. <laughs> now that we've gotten all the creative arts and shit out the way, of course, this guy became a one. Like he, you know, missing posters went up because this famous celebrity like him, and the book was written like for I think it was like the seventies or something. The book was set in the seventies. His pictures was there, were everywhere. Everyone's like, "What the fuck is this guy?" So, because Annie had a history, a, you know, a trooper, a police officer had come to her house to actually even ask about something else, and then this um, writer saw the police officer, so he threw something at the window that broke the window, and the police was, police officer was like, "Oh my gosh." We've been looking for you for months. Where have you been? And he's like, watch out. She's fucking insane. She's crazy. Now, Annie, who is riding a lawnmower, proceeds to stab this police officer multiple times and she runs a lawnmower over his head. And she cleans the scene up. And she then tells Paul, aha. And also, throughout the course of this book, Annie progressively gets more insane. But she's like, aha, I see that you're mad. And do you want to kind of get me in trouble? Because she has this mentality where it's like, you know, I'm not that wrong. I saved your life. I, you know, I, I helped you. I picked you up. So I'm your savior. So don't, you know, whatever. There was all that going on. But she killed the police officer. And that's why he was like, oh, she's fucking insane. She's fucking crazy. And then she kind of left him on his own for a while in the book for like, I think three days. No medicine, no painkiller, no nothing. And he went through shit. He was in so much pain. He couldn't do anything. He couldn't move. He was just yelling. And she only gave him like, was it like a glass of warm milk or something? And I think it was curdled milk. Curdled milk as well. So the milk was was bad. It was something bizarre like that, but this was a delicious book. And for anyone who really enjoys reading mysteries and whatever, not mysteries, thrillers, I highly recommend. It was a really good book. And it took place in one setting. So if your imagination can't help you go that far, then it might not be for you. But if your imagination is good enough and can take you places, I would recommend Misery. But just to kind of circle back, I wonder what would happen today if someone got kidnapped and they then proceeded to create a body of work from um, from being in, um, what's that word called? From being held captive, but then get out into the world. So imagine... <laughs> Imagine an artist being kidnapped and then we hear an album like a couple months later and we find out the album was made when they were in captivity. But that album happens to just be the best shit they've ever put out in their life. How would how ironic would that be? But I think with social media now, I, I want to be again, I can't be I can't be that naive, but I want to believe part of me wants to believe that if someone gets kidnapped today, it wouldn't take that long to find them. I hope. I hope not, because everyone would be like on the hunt and everything. But there are parts of this world untapped that's you know, the media can't even get to that. It's just on its own. And I've seen shit. That just makes it scary, you know? But misery. 
the misery of fandom, the misery of being a celebrity. I started this saying, I, I wanted fame when I was younger. I did. I did. And I remember trying to do the whole social media. I've talked about it before, but I wanted to do the whole social media thing, the influencer thing and everything. And it took away from my individuality. It kind of took away from who I saw myself being. Now, I would tell you today, I've, I haven't finalized in my head who I see myself as. It's still growing. It's still changing. One thing I've learned to take out is the, you know, what people will perceive of who I will become. So a lot of it before was like, oh my God, I have to look this way for this. I have to look, look this certain way for these people. But now I'm just, I want, I want a lot more for myself ideally. That's number one. I want a lot more to speak for myself and not just what people think about me. I want what I, you know, whatever I will believe to, um, whatever I will put my, my work into or my life into when I have found something that makes me that passionate, I want it to speak for me and speak for who I am and not just what people think about me because there's a danger as to what people say about you and letting that be in the narrative before you even have a chance to speak up and kind of like forge that narrative yourself. There's a danger to it. So like, great example is Stephen King. He has stacks of book at his, you know, on his resume. But the first thing people will say is, oh, that horror writer, which isn't a lie, but there's a lot more to that, you know? And there's some people who did, they, they would never entertain the fact as to giving you, um, giving you, what's the word? They're not going to try and give you consolation and try to like change the fact of who people think they are because they just don't care, which is healthy as well. But there's some people who always try to change the narrative and it just makes them look a bit odd. So I just really hope that my work speaks for me in the future and not just what people think about me because that wouldn't help. And also because unfortunately, unfortunately, there's 62 episodes now of me talking on this podcast. So years from now, God knows what will happen, you know? But to put it up in a nice bow, I do believe that there is agony and there is some sadness as to what the world has cultivated now as to people having millions of people at their beck and call and millions of people just like, you know, hungry for someone or people's inputs and outputs and opinions. And there is something evil that has been made with that. And I believe it's, I'm going to sound like a conspiracy theorist. I believe it might be one of the downfalls of our society today, moving forward. Because back then, flawed as our ancestors, well, flawed as our parents' generation might be, and the generation before that even, there wasn't all that bullshit. There wasn't all that nonsense and having millions of people at your fingertips and everything. And it made them evolve and it made them connect in a different way. But now, ha, it's going to be something else. It's going to be something else. And we can only hope that um, our world evolves into a better, you know. I'm, I'm getting deep. I don't want to do that because I, this is just like an inner coming out right now. But that's Misery by Stephen King, a book I thoroughly enjoyed. And it was a book that was written, it, this book was written like in the 90s. We're kind of reflecting on this book now, seeing how, I mean, come on, was it forecasting what the world of fandoms would be today? Who knows? But that, that's a book. Anyway, I'm going to stop rambling and getting deep now because that's what we're here for. But thank you for listening. I'm Dami Dare. You've been listening to Everything in 3D. I'm your host. I'm your lovely host. And I hope you enjoyed.
And if you did, feel free to share this with someone who has read the book, wants to read the book, or just has an opinion. Feel free to subscribe. Give this episode a four, five stars, because I mean, come on, it's a good episode. And um, I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you will come back next week, next time, when I'm talking about something else. Thank you so much. I love you. Bye-bye.